We believe in one God. If you've heard those words before, say Amen. If you've recited those words before, say Amen. If you know where those words come from, say Amen. Terrific. Amen we need to work on, but terrific. Three Amens is a great way for us to start off this morning as we proceed to recklessly drive through three passages of Holy Scripture. So we drive up to our first destination in the Middle East, courtesy of a lesson from Numbers, to a version of Death Valley. Death Valley, harsh and hot. And we hear the Israelites complain about the miraculous manna that God has provided. And we hear the Israelites pining for the good old days in Egypt when they had free and frequent access to McDonald's. And it's, yes, and it's dazzling menu. And I quote the menu of McDonald's from way back when. Meat, fish, cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic, and kosher fries. Okay, it doesn't say anything about kosher fries. Now, never mind the fact that the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, were enslaved. They were a subdued and subjected people. How many of you remember Moses? Raise your hand. Wow, a lot older than I thought some of you were. But yes, Moses from the Hebrew Scriptures, the great, very serious, very weighty figure of the Old Testament. And Moses shows his spiritual credentials in this passage of Numbers. Did you hear his prayer? His very moving prayer. And I invite you to open your bulletin to the first reading from Numbers and jump down to the parts in italics. And I'm going to read a portion of that prayer to you. It's so moving. It's so serious. Why have you treated your servants so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight? That you lay the burden of all this people on me. Did I conceive all this people? Did I give birth to them that you should save me? Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a suckling child. To the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors. Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they come to me weeping and say, and let's all say this in a very whiny voice together three times. Give us meat to eat. Give us meat to eat. Give us meat to eat. too heavy for me. If this is the way you're going to treat me, put me to death at once. And then we go to our second destination in the Middle East, a first century Christian congregation. And as we look at the building where they're meeting, we see no stained glass windows, no steeples, no big red doors. Because this is actually somebody's house. Granted, it's probably a pretty nice house by first century standards. So we open the door, and we step inside, and we hear the preacher. And we'll recite together from James, the part in bold that's in your bulletin. The preacher is telling us they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will Therefore, 
And finally, we wheel up to our third destination in the Middle East, courtesy of the lesson from Mark, to the beautiful Israeli lakeside village of Capernaum, which you can still visit today. We park the car, and we make our way over to a very humble little home, and we sneak up. Notice the little sneaking motion I'm doing? We sneak up to the window, and we hear, we eavesdrop on our own St. John, who is complaining to Jesus. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. And speaking of exorcists, everyone's favorite topic, if you don't pay your exorcist, you may get repossessed. <laughs> pay your exorcist, repossessed. That was a joke, Joe. It was a joke. Does not the joke compel you? Does not the power of the joke compel you? Oh, good. Well, moving along. In Numbers, God answers Moses' prayer by appointing 70 elders to help Moses lead the people. In other words, Moses is reminded, it's not just me, it's we. And in James, the preacher tells the congregation that their prayer and their confession will be much more effective if they do it with one another. In other words, the congregation is reminded, it's not just me, it's we. And in Mark, Jesus tells the disciples, well, lots of people are doing my work. In other words, St. John, our own St. John is reminded, it's not just me, it's we. It's not just you, it's us. It's not just me, it's we. It's not just me, it's we. Let's say that together. It's not just me, it's we. We believe in one God. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. Christianity is a team sport. And when you belong to a Christian congregation, whatever the denomination, but in this case, being part of St. John's is not just like being part of a nice little organization that gets together weekly and sings nice songs and says nice things and celebrates a nice little ritual meal. No. Being part of St. John is being part of a spiritual family, a spiritual clan. We are tied together by the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism. In fact, you are tied together, I am tied together by the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism with every single Christian who has ever lived. Roman Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, the Sons of God, whatever. We are tied together. We are family. But we are especially tied together here at St. John's through baptism and through the blood of Jesus and through feeding together at the same altar in the sacrament of Holy Communion. So the spiritual math works like this. You plus me equals we. Christian writer Rebecca Manley Pippert writes it this way. She says, quote, It is not enough for one individual to imitate the ways of God. For God is not alone. 
He is the Trinity. Therefore, it is the community of God's people who will represent Him more fully and completely. End of quote. So, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you are a part of St. John's. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you represent St. John's. And now for the really scary part, by baptism and by the profession of your faith, wherever you are, whatever you are, you represent Jesus. You, you represent the church. You are the church. Now, thinking just about the spiritual plan of St. John's for a moment, when you are not here on a Sunday, a chair is empty at our parish family table. That's our altar. But when you are here on a Sunday, our parish family table better represents the reality that in Christ we are tied together. When there is a joy in your life, that is a joy for all of us. When there's a sorrow in your life, that's a sorrow for all of us. The people who are around you are your spiritual family. You are related to them by the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism. And by this altar, they are your brothers and sisters in faith. They are your spiritual family. So just for a second, reach out to them and say, shake your hand and say, hello, brother, hello, sister. Go for it. Don't be shy. Greet your spiritual family. Say, hello, brother, hello, sister. Hello, brother Joe, back there. Well, you do. Liberty's over there. And face you. Now, check this out. If we live out that truth with the help of the Holy Spirit, the truth of our spiritual familyness, our congregation would be transformed. And so would our individual lives. And the power of that transformation would radiate out to the city of Dubuque and beyond. Even though you and I have been socialized to think, me, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ invites us to find our me within the we. To be the best you by being the best us. By coming together around the reality of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Ephesians 4, 5. By living out in our lives, myself and yourself, whether we were physically together in this place or whether we were physically apart, living out the reality, that's our call as we leave this place, to live out the reality of our declaration, we believe. Amen.